Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time again for another episode of WBU Marketing Communications Today. And I can see by the look on our host's face, he's excited. He's ready to go here today as we delve into this intersection of data-driven marketing and modern marketing practices with the man who somehow mixes them all together here, Michael Lynch. Hey, Michael, how are you? I'm doing great today. You seem pumped up today. How are things in Are you in Chicago? Is that where you're at? I am in Chicago. It could not be a gloomier day here in Chicago. <laughs> okay. um, we've had rain and we're expecting rain all day. It will just force me to continue to socially there distance. <laughs> Somebody told just, me it was going to snow back there or something in May. I remember when I lived in Michigan, the last snow I ever remember was like the first week of May. Could it happen? Or who knows? We did have May snow. Yes, wow. we had May snow this year. We're not, I don't think we're going to have another snow between now and let's say next well, you uh, know, November, all that, December. All but. that makes me think is one more reason not to move back there. So, <laughs> Well, it's a beautiful, beautiful place to be. And speaking of beautiful things, very exciting excited to have Lisa Sanders as my guest today. After 20 plus years in communications and public relations, advertising, media, and marketing, uh, Lisa Sands jumped ship and took on the role of publisher wow. of Edible Cleveland. And Edible Cleveland is a locally independent owned publication that is actually part of a network of about 80 or so edibles across the United States and Canada. And you know how much I really, really love talking about food. So we're going to talk about food again today. Lisa, what in the world made you want to jump ship and change careers? Hi there, everyone. Thanks for having me on today. After doing PR media marketing and all the things such as that kit for a lot of years, I decided that I was really tired of where that side of the profession was going. I did a lot of work in public relations, and public relations is measured largely by, I think, some less forward-thinking clients as how much ink can you get me? How much publicity can you get me? Why am I not in these stories? What is, you know, and, and you know, public relations is so much more, really. Yeah, as the media landscape was changing and shrinking, it was really becoming more and more difficult to do that for clients. And I just really felt that um, many of them were missing the mark. They were approaching the discipline of public relations in a completely wrong way. And so Edible Cleveland was always a side hustle. And I, I've developed working relationships with it for a long time. I've run the social. I've run it since 2014 and have done writing. But when the opportunity came to take it over because of the sale, I said, sure, why not? <laughs> and that's how it happened. Could you tell us what exactly is Edible Cleveland? What is a cover? I was lucky enough to look at a, an edition of it, and it made me hungry. So what is it all about? Well, Edible Cleveland is a regional food magazine uh, that covers Northeast Ohio, and it actually covers about seven counties. And you are correct. We are one of a, about 80 publications in the Edible Communities Network. That network has been around for close to 15 years, and uh, Edible Cleveland has been around for eight. So it's a dedicated food magazine here in our region. It was birthed in uh, 2012. And that was really the rise or right in the middle of the foodie movement, right? Everybody was talking about food. Food became this element of uh, entertainment. It's a hobby. It was Social media was developing at the same time and foodie culture. But edibles by nature are actually a lot deeper than that. 
They're very focused on a local food movement, on slow food, on sustainability, and local food ecosystems. And that starts with the farm. And that might end up at the amazing, super hot new restaurant in the downtown area. But the fact is, our food ecology is important. It's been important. It took a backseat for a while. And I think, interestingly enough, the COVID-19 situation is going to make people realize just how important their local food ecosystem is. So we plan to be there for that. Excellent. Yeah, the last time I was in the Cleveland area, I was actually surprised that I found grapevines and grape growers and winemakers. So, I mean, the food the food culture in Cleveland, I imagine, is much, much more than people can imagine. I even went to a farmer's market there, and it was really, really great. But I understand that Edible Cleveland really is part of a much larger network. Is that right? Yes, approximately 80 publications across the country. In fact, I just jumped off a conference call with many of them, and Edible Boston, Edible East Bay, Edible Austin, Edible Vancouver, uh, all, all across the country. These are publications that are independently and locally owned that tell the stories of local food, the people that are growing it, making it, and cooking it. We're really here to talk about communication, so let's let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I'm a very tactile kind of guy, and I don't know if that really is partly because of my age. I seem to rather hold something I'm reading in my hand rather than trying to read it on a computer screen. But is traditional media, is it all doom and gloom now? Are we just going to get rid of everything that's tactile and something you hold in your hand? I do not believe that is the case at all. And in fact, related to our current situation, again, I think people are going to come out of this homebound pandemic phase with a lot of digital fatigue. I think there's an awareness that, yeah, digital is fantastic. It offers many, many things. It's quick. It's immediate. It's very trackable. As far as a, you know, a data mind like yours, you probably really love aspects of that, as do I. I don't think print media is going away. I think newspapers, I think news media are especially challenged for a reason that's probably a topic for another show. But being um, that we are a publication that certainly has news of a certain type, that aesthetic is very, very important. We believe in being slow and beautiful, thoughtful, much like uh, much like our food system, right? Much like local food. And I think print media as well, it offers, you know, a distraction-free environment. Um, it's an intentional choice. People seek it out. People keep things. It's tangible. You keep your magazines around the house for a while. You pick them up multiple times. We hear from people that have um, all 32, 33 edibles since it started, and they keep them in their house, and they go back to them time and time again. They're works of art, and we think that the magazines we make are the right environment for the words and the the design and the photography uh, of our very talented people. So we think it's a fantastic environment that offers credibility, beautiful aesthetics, again, a lack of too many distractions. I'm kind of done with that right now. I rediscovered books, magazines, anything that I can touch and spend time with. I'm all about that right now. Sure, I understand perfectly. I mean, it used to be when I'd walk through a newsroom or walk through a newspaper, you just, I mean, there was a constant buzz. There were people everywhere, and it had a very unique smell. Um, But (laughs) now you walk into a newspaper or a magazine, and it's one cubicle here has somebody, one cubicle there has somebody, and you're lucky if the smell is anything other than print ink. But Exactly. I mean, where do you think that today print media really fits in uh, one's marketing mix? 
Well, I think it's going to be even more critical going forward. You know, as a marketing person who, again, I value social media. I use social media as a tool for some of my clients. I I value all of it. But, um, you know, as we learned uh, through the WVU Integrated Marketing Program, uh, you know, it, it all works together, right? I think there's a place for everything in the right way. I think the, the real key thing is the strategy that's employed on the, before any of those things happen. It's what are you trying to do? What is your reader looking for? What are their values? What's important to them? I think all of those are really important questions. And I think that print media is, I'll tell you, I, the reason I think that it, it will continue to be strong, when you look at um, how brands, uh, well thought of known brands, the, the REIs, the Patagonias, they're putting out beautiful catalogs, printed catalogs, people still want to get those. They're also putting out magazines. They're putting out their own content in the form of a beautiful magazine. And in some cases, they're charging for it. I was also recently aware that Sir Kensington's, which is a, a ketchup brand, a condiment brand owned by Hellman's, actually. I did not know that. Uh, they have a magazine called Sandwich, and they charge for it. And again, that is owned media, right? They're putting that out there, but they're delivering it in a way that is different than this digital 300-word environment that's here through a news feed and then gone, gone the next day. We don't, we don't. We don't even remember where we saw things. So that's why I believe print will be around. But that said, I believe it has to evolve in some really key ways. Excellent. Right before we take our break, just look into your crystal ball, kind of look into the future. And do you think that the future really is going to be a mix of online and print media? Or where do you think that's all going? I do. I think that inevitably the pendulum will swing back and i don't think it'll swing all the way back but i think that people are going to recognize that to communicate in a very busy noisy world they need to be using a multitude of channels they need to be adapting those channels and they need to be digging deep for using those channels very creatively and that i think print is a viable piece of that integrated marketing campaign Lovely. Let's take a little break. And when we come back, I want to start talking about food again. Okay. Before we delve back into the world of food, and uh, I'm already salivating here, let me just give you a couple of quick, uh, quick tidbits here, quick bites to uh, take away. WVU's Integrate Conference has moved online. Marketing communications experts from a variety of industries are going to be online exploring how and what to say during this unprecedented global pandemic. You can view the schedule, you can tune into the live virtual sessions, and you can learn a lot more at integrate.wvu.edu. That's the Integrate Conference brought to you by West Virginia University every year. So this year it's not down in the, the beautiful mountain state. It's on your browser at integrate.wvu.edu. And if you want to learn more about West Virginia's University's online digital marketing communications master's degree program, those are the good folks who bring you this show each and every week. It's fully online and it can be completed in one year. With built-in certifications from platforms like Google and Facebook, the program gives you both the strategy and the skill to reach audiences on existing and emerging media. Just like we're talking about today here. There are still two choices out there. There is existing and there is emerging. And they talk about both. For more, simply go and visit their website at wvu.edu. 
edu and look up the marketing communications program or if you want to type it all in at once it's marketing communications plural dot wvu dot edu marketing communications the online digital marketing communications master's degree program brought to you by west virginia university all right if that doesn't make you hungry to hear more i don't know what will back to michael and his guest Yeah, actually, the Integrate session this week was really good. It was about how to differentiate yourself in crowded markets and when there are big players. Actually, if you don't get enough of my voice in this podcast today, you can go back and listen to the recording. The co-hosts on that uh, presentation with me were both banking execs who did a great job talking about uh, now his integrate to, is integrate past is it still coming is it uh, uh, will they have to wait till next year or they can go online and hear the sessions the past sessions too they can go online and hear the past sessions like I said we just recorded one on Tuesday and there were a couple of more that were recorded before then very very interesting subjects everything from again finding your place in a crowded market to how to deal with disinformation. Yeah. And wow. the one previously was uh, done by someone in the government who talked about disinformation and where it comes from and how to deal with it. Well, so they're really good. I'm with Lisa Sands here today. And Lisa, let's talk a little bit about where food is in the consumer's mind right now. I know it's evolved an awful lot. There were conversations about GMOs and organic and hydroponic and all this. What do you think is really spurring on the interest in in food? My answer to that would have been different about three months ago, to be honest. And I think given, again, our pandemic or post-pandemic world that we hope to be in, I think that's going to have to be determined. I think it's a little TBD. <laughs> but we've seen new things emerge that are on people's minds. We're seeing national news about meat shortages, protections of workers. We are seeing, for the very first time, people are going to the grocery store and seeing empty shelves. You and I are about the same age. We probably never have seen that in our lifetime. And yet, when we talk to maybe our parents or grandparents who've had a very different experience of what food was essential. It's this essential thing. And I think for the last decade, maybe 15 years, we've made food into this glamorized element. And we've been short. I've I've had a great time writing and talking about it and indulging in it. But I think now going forward, people are going to ask some really hard questions. I think they're going to want to know how they're going to feed their families. I think they want to understand how they can help local small businesses. We all like to say shop local, hashtag shop local, but you really have to put money where your mouth is. And this situation is going to drive people to different options. I mean, we're seeing people ask questions like, how, how can I buy a half a cow so I can put it in a freezer and make sure I have meat for the next six months in case everything goes awry? I guarantee you that three, four, five months ago, that was not on everybody's mind. It was, where are we eating for dinner this Friday? So I think the conversations are changing, and being a specialty niche food publication with a focus on local food ecology, to I think our brand is very strong, and I think we are going to continue to do what we do best, which is tell the stories that people need to know to make good decisions for their family, 
and to bolster their local food economy. I'm actually very optimistic. I'm going to ask you a double-barreled question here. But wait a second. I think someone else has a question here real quick. Well, I just had to follow up. I love going to small local restaurants. I love the diversity. I love the the creativity that comes with it. It's edible art to me. It's one of my joys in life. And I fear that so many of these small, independent, unique, mom-and-pop little restaurants may not make it through the crisis. And all we'll be left with are the big chains again here. What do you, what do you think about that? I think that is possible. I think that this time will also be a period of reinvention. I see that locally in my community, and um, I, I know that's happening in other in other cities around the uh, the country. We're going to look really different when things start to open up. There's some talk about fine dining going away for a while, and that people are going to want to have that in and out and quick experience from places that they trust. I think that having a local minded ethos. It's something that you either have or you don't. We're out there amplifying the reasons why it is a good idea. But I think that, to your point, I'm going to miss that experience as well. And I think we're going to lose a lot of those small restaurants. I will say, though, in the last several years, as restaurants were booming, think about they run on lean margins anyway. And think about their main method of advertising. I would say there are two. Word of mouth, which is always good, and your Yelp reviews and things like that. But it's social media. Social media has been key for them. And the fact is that's a very, very crowded space. So I think that these people who emerge and remain are going to have to get creative. I think they're going to have to envision their business models very differently. I think that they're they're going to have to figure out what their customers want and need and react and pivot. And then I think they're probably going to pivot again in another year to 18 months when we realize that we're either out of this situation or we're still in it for a while. I just think there's a lot of uncertainty out there in general. Well, I'm going to give you a double barrel question here, and that is, how are the newer, younger generations looking at food? And are, do you really think they're interested in reading print media? I think that it depends on the individual. Again, I think that, I think their interest in food is very different than print media. <laughs> so, I mean, okay. I that, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that uh, the younger generation that has been trained and has not needed to utilize traditional media the way maybe we were trained to use it, right? I think that the social media and then the influencer space, again, has gotten very busy. And I think it's gotten very, maybe even insincere. And I think it's very pay to play. And I think that media has a credibility that regardless of whether you are younger or you're older, I think that print media and traditional media largely are viewed as being very credible channels for information. And the reason I think that is because of something that was happening to me a lot of times as a publisher and as someone out there selling, I have no shortage of people reaching out to me because they want to be covered in a magazine. They've got a great story. They're pitching me stories. And they want to be in there. They want their client. They, they want to be in there. People love to be featured in a print item or on a TV, in a TV spot or whatever, or in a TV show. But the fact is, is when you go back to those same people who value you for that and you say, 
support us or how about putting your ad or your brand in it and showing that you align with what we stand for and our value. Sometimes they throw up their hands and they say, oh, yeah, we don't really pay for it. We don't pay for anything. And I think that that has been very problematic. And I think that's really been the cause of the demise for print and other forms of traditional media. I think social media has a place and I think it's fantastic. But I think we also have trained an entire generation that everything is free. Uh, Unfortunately, when everything is free, you get a lot of garbage. You get a lot of things that are not true. You get a lot of things that are just have no depth or meaning. And I think there's a lot of distrust. I have faith that the younger media consumer is aware of the fact that not everything they can see online in a digital environment, in a social environment can be trusted. Before we go, could you please tell everybody how they can engage with Edible Cleveland? Sure. Well, we have a print magazine that we distribute mostly through advertisers. Uh, You can subscribe to Edible Cleveland. You can find us at ediblecleveland.com. And we are on all of the social channels, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, if you look at those, it's yours truly that's running those. And so make sure you say hi. (laughs) Well, great. And again, my guest today is Lisa Sands from Edible Cleveland. We really appreciate it. Thank you not only for giving us your insight on whether you think uh, print media is alive or dead or has a future. But also, uh, thank you for your insight into the way people are looking at food nowadays. Thank you again, Lisa. My pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Communications Today, brought to you live from West Virginia University, a biweekly program that sits at the intersection of data-driven decision-making and marketing practice, only on the Funnel Radio Network. For at work listeners like you. <laughs>